Hi, I'm Greg Schaefer, and welcome to the Virtual CISO Moment Wrap-Up for Friday, July 29th, 2022. From the Hacker News, Spanish law enforcement officials have announced the arrest of two individuals in a connection with a cyber attack on the country's radioactivity alert network, which took place between March and June of 2021. Now, apparently this was a two-pronged attack. The first one resulted in the unauthorized access to the control center's computer system to delete a web application used to manage the system. And then a second was the targeting of more than 300 sensors over two months, causing, quote, the failure of their connection with the control center and thus reducing the detection capacity of the network. So it took a little while to get these folks arrested. And the probably most disturbing line in the article is that the reason for this attack is unknown as of yet. Remember, this attack was apparently targeted against the sensors that detect radiation in the event of, like, say, a leakage. So there's probably more to the story that may or may not come out later. From Information Security Magazine, ransomware as a service operators are evolving their tactics yet again in response to more aggressive law enforcement efforts in a move that is reducing their profits, but also making affiliates harder to track, according to Coveware. Of course, ransomware as a service is just like any other business, and in order to survive, you can't remain static. You have to adopt your service to both the threat environment and also the market environment. With regards to the latter, interesting note at the end of the article, overall fewer victims are choosing to pay their extorters, especially among large enterprises. However, the threat actors are responding by focusing more effort on the mid-market. That may explain why the medium, median of ransom payments fell by 51% from the previous quarter to $36,300. So in other words, they're shifting targets. A lot of times, smaller businesses would say, well, we're too small. No one would want to target us, but if that's where the opportunities are shifting to, then expect to be targeted and stay vigilant. This past week, the Cybersecurity Maturity Model Certification Accreditation Body, or CMMCAB for short, has released the CMMC Assessment Process, or CAP, version 1.0 pre-decisional draft. Now, this is about 47 pages long. It is intended to be a guide for C3PAOs and for those who are looking perhaps to be assessed to understand what the entire assessment and certification process is. I haven't had an opportunity to read through this yet. However, I have seen some summaries on LinkedIn for which I am very thankful that people are willing to go through this and to provide their feedback. The feedback that I have heard, and remember, this is just hearsay, this is third third party, is that uh, the, the document is probably not ready for prime time, probably shouldn't have been released. There's grammatical errors, there's uh, reference errors, there's other items that apparently do not make sense. So don't expect this to be the final version. But if you're involved in the CMMC space or your business is looking to become CMMC 
certified, you may want to go ahead and download this as sort of a preview to understand what the assessment process changes may be. And the link is in the show notes. Sometimes I like to focus on other items besides news items for the week, including opinion pieces and how-to or teaching pieces. And here's one I came across in Security Magazine. Title is Dreading Security Risk Assessments, Six Ways to Make Them Better. Now, again, this is just an opinion piece, but I'm going to go through each one of the six items. The first one is understand the organization's greatest risks and start there. I agree with that completely. And what I usually do when I start a risk assessment for an organization is I will talk to several of the subject matter experts in different departments, and I will just ask them, what do you think is the highest information security risk? Or give me a couple, just from your opinion. Remember, this is coming from a perspective of knowing nothing about the organization first. A lot of times by asking that question, now you might get a response, well, I'm not really technical, I don't know. And that's where I have the uh, opportunity to say, well, this isn't a technical question. This is a business question. As far as risks to your line of business, what do you see in relation to information security? And from there, you can get an idea of what the risks are to focus on because a risk assessment that has hundreds of risks and most of them are lower informational really is an exercise in futility. You do not need to address risks that you already know are not going to be significant to the organization. You can track them if you want, but they're most likely not going to change. You want to focus on those couple of dozen or so which have the real potential for impact for the organization. And that kind of gets to number two, be clear about risk tolerance. Now, risk tolerance is one of those things where it's difficult to define, but in information security, Sometimes the way I like to frame it, particularly if we're working against a certain framework, is do we want to make sure we meet a certain base maturity level? So I'll give you an example in the financial sector is the FFIAC cybersecurity assessment tool. There are five maturity levels there that are based on the inherent risk to the bank or credit union. There are methodologies within this to determine what your inherent risk is to then determine what your baseline risk tolerance is and therefore what requirements you have to meet. And so it becomes very simple that for a bank or a credit union in information security, it might be, well, our our risk tolerance is that we will meet evolving, which is the second level there. There are other areas that maybe it's a little bit more difficult to figure out risk tolerance, but that's one process Using a framework that has uh, maturity levels is one process to help in the information security sphere. You also have to ensure, too, that it meets the risk tolerance of other areas of risk. Again, financial services, you might have like reputational, liquidity, operational. There are several others. But really, all organizations have different areas of risk. Number three is keep it simple and human. I once had a client that had a risk assessment done previously from another organization that had all of these number scorings per risk, I think like 15 different categories, and they would have anywhere between a one, a zero, one, or a two, and something like that. And then they would add those all up and do some sort of fuzzy math on it or something to come up with a risk score. 
I'm going to say, and I have said this before, and many people have said that, that's not a quantitative risk assessment. You basically are measuring nothing. And where that gets you is maybe a feeling of some sort of security, if you will, that you have a score. But it's really, it's really an exercise that is way too complicated. And it obfuscates the actual risk. So don't make these things complicated. Don't put in extra items just to make it look like that this has gone further in depth. It's, it's a quantitative, or rather a qualitative risk assessment is simply a manifestation or an expression of the opinion of a subject matter expert. No less, no more. That's really what it is. Um, the next one is to streamline the process and delegate. Certainly, those people who are more close to the risk, the subject matter experts, need to definitely be involved. You can't have the CISO coming in and risk assess all systems on their own. That really does no benefit for anybody. Number five, go beyond compliance. Of course, we say security does not equal compliance. Just because you're compliant doesn't mean you're secure. Compliance risk is one of those risks. If you're not meeting the compliance attributes for a regulation that you're required to meet, well, then that's a significant risk in and of itself. But there are risks beyond that as well. And then the last one is to be clear on the next steps. So just because you do a risk assessment doesn't mean you end at the end of the assessment. The whole goal of a risk assessment is to identify and then prioritize risks based on their severity so that you can bring to bear limited resources to address from a top down. Start with the most significant risks first. You're not going to be able to address all risks in an organization, but you want to hit the ones that are the most impactful to the organization and not just kind of go after whichever risk you feel like hitting first. If you're a Presta shop shop, you may want to pay attention. According to the Presta shop developers blog, the maintainer team has been aware that malicious actors are exploiting a combination of known and unknown security vulnerabilities to inject malicious code in Presta shop websites, allowing them to execute arbitrary instructions and potentially steal customers' payment information. So the link in the show notes to the blog has a lot of good technical information about how the attack works. But the bottom line is that they say that you need to mitigate it by updating to the latest version of PrestaShop, which according to this is PrestaShop 1.7.8.7. And then finally, another opinion knowledge piece from Security Boulevard. I'm not looking for a new cybersecurity role, so why should I have an introduction with a recruiter? This really comes into play talking about preparedness, and it's rather interesting that in information security and cybersecurity, we talk about being prepared for attacks and for unwanted incidents, and yet as professionals, we may not always do that in our own careers. So this article is full of some reasons why it makes sense to reach out even when you're not looking for a position. And that starting to build the relationship right now because there are market experts out there, they can actually help. And perhaps even by starting to build that relationship now, that might influence as to whether or not you actually go out and 
start looking for a position. You know, they say that uh, luck is a combination of preparedness and opportunity. And certainly I can say that in my career, the jobs that I've changed, that I've made to, it's because when the opportunity presented itself, I had prepared myself already for it. I have a few more thoughts on that and recruiting and cybersecurity in general in 30 seconds. I really don't want to build up a reputation of ranting too often, but I do have sort of a mini rant here, just thinking about the whole recruitment process. And let me start to explain why. There was one particular job I'm thinking about. It was where I could have gotten the opportunity to become CISO for a credit union. And I went through the interview process, actually went on site, presented, and in essence, over the course of about two to three hours, gave them some free consulting on their program. Looked really good. The credit union seemed to be happy with what I was talking about. The recruiter said, oh, I made a great impression and all of that. And then the ghost didn't hear back. Didn't hear back, didn't hear any any response, any, any, even with, despite reaching out several times, well, what's going on? Well, first of all, I found out through other channels, and I would say that this is extraordinarily unethical. There wasn't a CISO position. They were actually looking for a CIO type position, but the recruiter was trying to convince the credit union that they need to split into two positions. Now, why would a recruiter do that? There are various reasons. Some of it might be because they honestly believe that that would benefit the credit union. Some of it might be because two commission checks are better than one. I don't know what the reason was. I do know that I didn't appreciate not being told that up front. I also know that I didn't appreciate being ghosted. And that's probably the thing that I really want to focus on the most here is that I don't understand why in our industry or any industry that there's ghosting. And it's not just in the recruiting process. With this podcast, as you know, every Tuesday I drop an interview. Well, a few weeks ago I had scheduled a, an interview with a person who had written a security book. And I was going to promote that book on the podcast almost saw that as somewhat of a favor. It sounded like a really good topic that others might read as well too. A win-win-win situation for everybody. I have an interesting guest. They get to promote their book. You all hear about something that could be a great resource. Started up the Zoom call, no response. Nobody called in. Emailed and connected on LinkedIn. Hey, I'm on the call. You gonna join? Nothing. In fact, I haven't heard back from the person at all. I don't know what happened. I hope they're okay. I like to take the route that when these things happen, that it's because of an unexpected occurrence in life. That actually just happened in another circumstance, which I won't go into too much detail for, but basically I found out that the reason for the so-called ghosting is that the person was dealing with a drug addiction. So there are valid reasons why. And that's why whenever you're ghosted, I always tell people to try to take the road of grace and think that, well, there's probably a story there that we don't know about. But on the other hand, 
the raw, brutal truth is that sometimes people just do that because of a selfishness, I think. And I don't understand that sort of attitude as well. But I guess that that's maybe something that is inherent to the fact that we're all human. But if you're listening to this and if you have unintentionally ghosted somebody on something, reach back out to them. It's okay. It's all right to reach out. People are generally forgiving. People are generally understanding, particularly if you had a, a real reason as to why. Just don't, don't, don't hide it because then that will soil your reputation and really doesn't leave a good, good taste. Anyway, I'll try not to rant too much. I'll, maybe I'll retire my soapbox for a week or two, but I appreciate, as always, your support and stay secure.